Well, hey, good to see everybody today, and welcome to Centerpoint Church. If you're new with us, my name is John. I'm lead pastor here, and if you are uh, joining us for the first time, I hope you will let us know you were here so we can pray for you. We want you to experience life-changing connections. And uh, I know that probably a number of us right now are going, wait, uh, are you going to say anything about all the things that have been taking place in this, in this week of the election? I don't think so. I mean, last I checked, the, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords still reigns supreme over all of creation and the entire universe. And for what it's worth... Uh, Elections aren't really certified until December and then ratified in January. So there's actually still (laughs) a bit of process that uh, could be taking place. So uh, more to come, maybe, maybe, maybe. All right, so I wanted to dive into the message, but I just wanted to start out by telling you that I did something that I wanted to let you know about. And what I did was uh, I was in my kitchen the other day, and I, I, I had this sudden urge to do something with my belt. And so I just ripped my belt off of my jeans. And I took that belt and I took out the kitchen uh, scissors and I just cut that belt. I just cut it right down till it was just a nub right here. And then I took my belt and I just started drilling holes in it out in the garage. And I didn't do this to just one of my belts. I did this to a number of my belts. It was like as though for a moment I had just lost all self-control, couldn't restrain myself, couldn't contain the urge, and now I have, I have belts that are all cut up and drilled into with holes. And so that happened. I just wanted to tell you, and, and I have the proof of at least one of them. It looks like a little tongue right there. Anyway, uh, the truth is, I said that it was like as though I had lost self-control. But actually, I didn't lose self-control at all, because the truth is, I needed to do that with my belts. And the reason is that over the last three and a half months, I've lost about 30 pounds, and the belts didn't fit anymore. I'm not even joking. I am totally not joking. The belt was so loose that it was flopping around so much that it was annoying me, and I had to cut that thing off. And and there weren't enough holes to make the belt tight. I had to drill holes into it to make it work. So long story short, uh, we had decided uh, a few months ago, or rather I should say, Anne had decided to read this uh, this book called Delay, Don't Deny. And I was like, what's that? Another one of those dumb diet books? Forget it. I'm not going to do any of that stuff. Because I've tried it all before, right? I mean, I've tried the whole 30, and for me, it was like whole three. Because after three days, I was done. Like, can't do it. Sorry. And we've done the Daniel diet. We've done the Atkins. We've done the keto. And on and on it goes, right? And it just, for me, none of those things ever seem to really work. It's too easy to just give up on them. And, uh, but Anne started reading this book called Delay, Don't deny about intermittent fasting. And the title kind of says it all. Delay, don't deny. It, it isn't like the typical thing where it's saying you can't have this and you can't have that and you better not have this. Instead, it's just saying, look, you can have whatever you want. It's just you need to contain that into this window of time. So uh, we've been doing that, intermittent fasting. Uh, and I, I recommend the book, Delay, Don't Deny, if, you, if that's a, a thing for you that you're wanting to sort of learn about. But uh, it, it basically, what it, it comes down to is uh, you, you set a window of time when you're going to do all of your eating. 
And so you start with something like a 10-hour window, then you move to an 8-hour window, and, and uh, then down to like a 4, 3 or 4-hour window. And if you would have told me four months ago, hey, in a few months, you're going to be only eating for three hours a day, pretty much one meal, I would have said, you're crazy. No way. It can't be done. It'll never happen. I'm working out. I'm running. I can't do that stuff. But, but actually, we tried it, and I have found it to be really an excellent experience in terms of achieving some of those goals. And, um, and it does take a lot of self-control. It does take a lot of self-control. When you're used to, you know, having three meals a day, and all of a sudden you're down to three hours a day in which you're having one meal and a snack, it does take some self-control. But self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so for any one of us who's a believer in Jesus Christ, we have access to the full range of all of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, including self-control. And uh, yes, I think that the Holy Spirit had greater things in mind for us than whether we might be able to lose a few pounds, but it works anywhere. It's about following the leading of the Holy Spirit into a different way of living, and it's about recognizing a a faculty that we have to, to rein things in and to do so by ultimately saying yes one of the things I loved about this, uh, this intermittent fasting is that I can still say yes to some cookies. I have to just be, be careful when I have them, but I can still say yes to them. For me, when it comes to this issue of self-control, I find that it's incredibly important to pay as much attention to what I'm saying yes to as to what I'm saying no to. And so I want to just uh, repeat the scripture that's been on our Uh, radar for the last couple of months, and I want you to read it out loud with me off the screen. Ready? Go. Galatians 5. Say it with me. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Say self-control nice and strong. This is something God has for each one of us and wants to invite each one of us more deeply into for our own good and for the good of those around us who experience being on the other side of who we are. And so this fruit of the Holy Spirit, it's available, it's accessible, and it's something that God is inviting each one of us uh, to dive into a little bit. But I want us to understand the word in terms of what the scripture says about it and what it means from the pages of scripture. So there in Galatians 5, the word that's used is this ancient Koine Greek word, enkrateia. And I don't want to get too dusty and historical with you, but I want you to know that at the core of that word, sometimes it's translated temperance, and here it's translated self-control, but at the core is a root Kratos is the root of that word, and it means power or might or strength. And so at the very heart of self-control is power, might, or strength, but it's power, might, or strength that's being reined in appropriately. And, And so we are going to ask God to help us to live into this fruit of self-control, but I want us to understand what it is. So let me give you a little bit of a working definition. This word, self-control, it's about having power over rather than something having power over you. It is mastering or controlling or curbing or restraining what needs to be curbed or restrained. 
It is the virtue of someone who masters their appetites and desires and sensual passions. That's what it is. And it's what we are all moving into more of a possibility of an experience of. It is important, like I said before, for you and I to understand the value and the strength of our yes when it comes to this issue of self-control. That it, it cannot only be about what we're saying no to. That it needs to be as much about what we're saying yes to. It's kind of like the story that someone told of a, of a flight attendant on a very small airline. And she's walking the aisle of this very small airplane and taps the guy on the shoulder and wakes him up and says, Sir, sir, would you like a meal? And he says, Well, uh, that depends. Uh, what are my options? And she says, Sir, your options are yes or no. Those are your options, right? Yes or no. And today, I want to focus on our yes because I believe that it's the option that will give us the greatest strength and the greatest possibility of actually living into this value of self-control. And so my message, if you want to hear just a one-sentence version of it, it's just simply this, yes to grace, yes to growth, and yes to reining it in. I'm going to say it again, yes to grace, yes to growth, yes to reining it in. It almost has like a little limerick sort of a rhyme to it. Yes to grace, yes to growth, yes to reining it in. I want you to say it with me like that. Say it. Yes to grace, yes to growth, yes to reining it in. That's the message today. And I, and I want to start with that yes because it's powerful. Just say yes. Like even when you just say the word yes, it elicits something inside of you. It turns you in a certain direction that gives you a sense of anticipation about what might be possible. <laughs> Try saying no. Just say it. No. It doesn't do it, does it? It doesn't have the same effect at all. So I want us to start with yes as we're thinking about uh, self-control. Yes to grace. Yes to growth. And yes to reining it in. Okay, now I want you to open up the pages of your Bible to uh, Titus. And so I want you to open up to Titus right now, to Titus chapter 2. And as you're turning there to Titus, a little bit of backdrop this is written by the Apostle Paul to a young man named Titus who is a church planter, pastor in a place in what we would think of as Greece uh, called the island of Crete. And this particular place, Crete, was known as being a place where people were just going wild. I mean, what comes to mind is uh, visions of like what would be taking place uh, in Cancun during spring break uh, a year ago, you know? Like this is, this is the kind of place Crete was. It was a place where people just did whatever the heck they wanted, no, uh, no concern about, uh, you know, how it appeared. It was known as uh, a party island. And so that's the sort of place that Crete was. And, and uh, Titus is leading people to Jesus and building a, a ministry there, a church there. And the Apostle Paul writes this letter to say, in, in at least in some sense, hey, Titus, as you are leading this ministry, you need to recognize that people's behavior really does, in fact, matter. And I know you're in Crete where everybody just does whatever they want and it doesn't even matter. But, but Titus, actually, people's behavior really matters. And in particular, those who are leaders and elders and pastors. And in fact, in Titus 1, 6, and 7, uh, Holy Spirit inspires Paul to even say in particular, Titus, your, your leaders and pastors and elders must live a blameless life. Everyone say blameless life. 
And, and that's a tall order, but it's inspired by the Holy Spirit because it's something that matters to the heart of God, in particular for what are called out leaders and elders and pastors. And, and so, so this word comes to Titus, and, and maybe some right now are hearing this, even right now today, maybe some at the time of the writing of this might have also heard this and thought something like, wait a minute, what is all this calling my behavior uh, into account kind of stuff? What is all of this making a big deal about me doing whatever I want to do? What's wrong with me just doing whatever I want? And it's like as though Holy Spirit would be anticipating that some people might have been thinking, Paul, come on, haven't you ever heard of grace? Come on, Paul, don't you believe in grace? Because what comes next in Titus chapter 2 is Holy Spirit inspires the writing of Paul to actually address just that, the matter of the grace of God. And so we'll turn there now to Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. Uh, it simply says, the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. First, I got to just say, I'm grateful for my Jesus. When I read these words and I, I just hear it again, that what, what he did, that he gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness. He gave himself to, to not only forgive our sins so that we could have the hope of heaven, but so that we could stay stuck in our sin, but he gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness. I'm grateful for my Jesus, that he saw me and he wanted to set the shackles off of me. He saw me struggling and dirty and wanted to clean me up, that he saw me writhing around in my shame and said, let me whisk that away. Like, I'm so grateful, aren't you? Just say, thank you, Jesus, for redeeming me. Come on, everybody at home, say it. Thank you, Jesus, for redeeming me. This is what he's done. He's redeemed me. I hope you would never get tired of thanking him for what he's done for you. I hope you would never get tired of just simply recalling the truth of the gospel, the simple truth of the gospel, that, what he did for you, and saying in a breath, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you did for me, that I've been redeemed, that I no longer bear the penalty of my sin, that I no longer am bound to live a life of wickedness. Come on, somebody, just say thank you, Lord. Like, you don't need to wait for a prompting from a preacher. I mean, hearing the gospel should elicit some kind of gratitude in you for what he's done. He's redeemed you. He's redeemed you. He's redeemed you and rescued you from, uh, from wickedness. This is what the scripture said. Now, I want to take you back, though, to verse 11. It says, The grace of God appeared that offered salvation to all people, and it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. <laughs> so I, I want to just make sure that we understand something here about the grace of God and that we are ready to say yes to grace, yes to growth, and yes to reigning it in. Everyone say yes to grace. Yes to grace. Okay, now we know 
we're familiar with the concept of grace as undeserved favor. And probably enough of us have been around the block a few times and we've heard a phrase something like, grace is getting uh, what I don't deserve and mercy is not getting what I do deserve. In fact, I'm sure I've said it at least a few times. But grace is not only about undeserved favor. It is that. But let's allow the revelation of what we've seen in this scripture to bring us into an even fuller sense of appreciation for what grace really is. Because it is not just a, ah, do whatever you want card. It, it is something so powerful, this, this gift that comes our way, that we want to say yes to. One more time, just say yes to grace. Grace is something that God allows to come into our lives that has a capacity to instruct us, to teach us, and to empower us to live differently. And it's important that we accept it this way, that we, that we allow ourselves to be challenged by grace. Sometimes we allow ourselves to be comforted by grace, and that's good. We should. It's comforting to know that we're able to receive a favor that we don't deserve. But we need to also allow ourselves to be challenged by this aspect of God's grace that empowers us to live differently, empowers us to be free from ungodliness. It is crucial that we accept this challenge. Otherwise, we'll settle for a bunch of patterns that are completely foreign to what Holy Spirit actually wants for us in our lives. And we'll get ourselves used to being all mucked up all the time with ways of living that are not honoring to God and don't do us much good anyway. And so I want to say yes to grace, yes to the grace that forgives, yes to the grace that covers, but also yes to the grace that empowers me to live differently. A grace that empowers me to say uh, ungodliness, no. This is what we're made for, to rise up more and more as beloved sons and daughters of the Most High God who are learning more and more to recognize ungodliness for what it is and to say no to it. Don't you think that the world's looking to see that there might be a few more believers in Jesus who are rising up with a capacity to recognize that's ungodly and I don't have to go along with it. That's something ungodly and I'm made for more. I, I have... I have, like the scripture says in 1 Corinthians, I've set aside shameful and deceptive practices. I, I'm saying no to ungodliness because that too is part of God's grace for me. And I want to say yes to grace. My question for you right now would just simply be this. Is there any way in which any kind of form of ungodliness has a grip on you? And I'm, don't worry, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I'm not going to ask you to type it right now into the comments and let everybody on the chat know. No, I'm going to ask you to just simply just do some introspection for a moment. Is there any way in which some kind of ungodliness has a grip on you? And it might be something you hope nobody ever finds out about. It might be something that you, you wish that it could, just, you could, it could be gone. And I want to tell you today that the grace of God is an empowering factor for your life. It's not only a covering factor, it's an empowering factor for your life. It teaches you. And I want to say yes to grace that teaches me, but I, I want to also uh, say yes 
to growth. Let me take you back to Titus 2.11 again. It says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. Do, Do you see what the Holy Spirit is saying? Yes, Titus you're on the island of Crete. You've got people that are so used to nothing but a party culture and its wickedness and sensuality and ungodliness to the extreme. But I'm asking you to call them to a different way of living. That They don't need to stay stuck in that. They can live in a way that will be uh, clean and free from the shadows of shame and guilt because of stuff done in secret ways. And I'm asking you to call people to, to learn. I mean, if the grace of God instructs us or teaches us, that means we are learning. And if we are learning, that means we are growing. And so if I'm going to say yes to grace, by definition, a logical consequence is I'm saying yes then to growth too. Yes to grace. Yes to growth. Yes to reigning it in. Say it one more time with me. Say it. Yes to grace. Yes to growth. Yes to reigning it in. And I want to say yes to grow. And the scripture here just called out a few particular ways that I can grow. And it's growing in saying no to ungodliness. It's growing in walking away from worldly passions. It's growing in living, there's that word, self-controlled. It's growing in living upright. It's growing in living godly lives in this present age. You know, sometimes we give ourselves the hall pass that says, well, I'm not really going to be, you know, I'm not going to be perfect till I get to heaven. And we almost then follow that up with a, a thought like, so I might as well not even try. I might as well just settle for whatever is going on in my life right now. But God's got so much better for you and me. God's got a view of who you can be that would be glorious if you could catch a glimpse of it. But it requires you to say yes to grace and say yes to growth. Yes to living a different kind of a way. And uh, I wonder if maybe right now some of us are going, well, okay, well, what's on that list of things I need to grow uh, free from? What are some of the things that I need to deal with? Well, as I've been thinking about this, there are probably, uh, you know, lists that have been made somewhere about everything that might comprise uh, ungodliness. I don't really want to do that. I don't want to get into a pharisaical kind of a a list of things. Because really, the heart of this series from the beginning has been that you and I need to be people who are following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because as we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, He will lead us into whatever form of walking away from ungodliness that we need to follow Him into. But broadly speaking, I think there are a couple of categories that matter that we ought to think about together. And in, in one sense, a lot of ungodliness, not, not exclusively, but a lot of ungodliness has to do with what we put into our mouth and what comes out of our mouth, what we put into our heart and what comes out of our heart, and what we put our bodies into and what we don't put our bodies into. And so I think it's important that at least we think about some of those broad categories and maybe even with a questioning heart to say, okay, Lord, are there any things that are in those kind of categories that I need to reckon with a little bit? 
And, and the scripture that I, I read this week that gripped me was 2 Corinthians 7.1. It says, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile body or spirit. And let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. Did, did you hear that? Let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. Do you believe that the scriptures are inspired by the, the Holy Spirit? Then do you believe that it would matter that Holy Spirit says, yes, there are things that defile your body and your spirit. And if you keep on just accepting those things, it's going to mess you up. Because it is important that we take to heart this call from God's word to deal with the things that we're putting into our mouth and that are coming out of our mouth. I mean, the things that we put into our heart and that are coming out of our, our, our heart. The things that we're putting our bodies into and that we're uh, taking our bodies out of. These, these things matter. But rather than just giving you a list of, hey, here's all the 103 things you need to... Instead, I'm, I'm urging you to follow the Holy Spirit into a bit of soul-searching, and he's gentle. He's gracious with you. And he's able to provide for you a mercy that is you not getting what you do deserve. But he's also able to give you a grace, which is, yes, you getting what you don't deserve, that undeserved favor, but more. It is an empowerment from the very throne room of heaven to live differently. Yes to grace, yes to growth, yes to reigning it in. Come on, say it one more time. Say it. Yes to grace, yes to growth, yes to reigning it in. <laughs> reigning it in. This is the part that is maybe less fun, I guess. Uh, but you know what? My, my grandfather was a congressman from the state of Iowa back during the days of Lyndon B. Johnson, obviously before my time. But <laughs> Lyndon B. Johnson, I heard was a little bit overweight during his, uh, his presidency. And apparently his wife said to him one time, you can't run the country if you can't run your own life, and pointed to his, uh, his extra. <laughs> and after that, uh, L.B. Johnson apparently took a hint and decided that he, he needed to respond to his, uh, his, his, his wife's input there and ended up uh, losing, uh, according to the historians, 23 pounds in this uh, one season of his time in office. And you know, it's, it's true, there are ways in which each one of us need to recognize that our failure to rein it in may be partially responsible for some of the wreckage that we're living with. Like I think about, for example, reining it in on my own part. I mentioned to you about the, uh, the uh, delay, don't deny thing and losing 30 pounds in, in three or four months. And, and for me, it wasn't just that I wanted to, to say no. I wanted to say yes to something. I did want to rein it in, but that, that being, rein it in being all of the cookies and, and extra pastries and pastas and three meals, all this stuff. Anyway, but what I wanted to actually do was say yes. And so for me, it was about wanting to say yes to, to dialing back this pre-diabetic condition that my blood work was showing that I had. For me, it was wanting to say yes to not having as much likelihood to have heart problems when I'm older. For me, it, it was more about wanting to say yes to maybe being able to be healthier and more present one day in the future when I'm a grandfather. For me, it was about maybe wanting to say yes to doing something about the things I can 
do something about with regards to my body, because I do have some things that I don't really have as much control over. <laughs> so it's important for each of us that we recognize when we talk about reining it in, it's still in the category of yes. Are you with me? It's in the category of what can be better, what can be more full, what can be more life-giving, what can be more healthy in the end for us and for people who we do life with. And so, yeah, we're going to say yes to grace, yes to growth, and yes to reining it in. And the reining it in part really matters. So let me share just three ways to, to rein it in that I'm working on. Okay, so for me, when I think about reining it in, here's what I'm working on. I'm working on, first of all, Retraining my desires. Retraining my desires. Because all of us have a, a continuum of desires. And, and some of the desires are in the category that God would say, those are desires of your heart that I even want to give you. They're so good. That, but then there's others that are kind of more middle of the road. Like maybe they're not bad, but they're maybe not awesome. But then there's other desires over on this end of the spectrum that we wouldn't want to ever mention in public. And, and most all of us, if we're honest about that, we have a continuum of desires. And if given free reign, we would allow certain aspects of our desires to take us down roads that would create problems and pain and so I want to actively retrain my desires. I want to move more and more towards the ones at this end of the spectrum, the good desires, the desires that honor God, the desires that create beauty, the desires that make things better, the desires that bring blessing, the desires that advance God's kingdom, those desires. I want to retrain my desires so that those are the ones that I act on and opt for more and more often. And I want to retrain my desires so that I recognize the ones on this end of the spectrum, first of all, I do not have to give in to them because remember what we read from Titus 2.12 that he has redeemed us from wickedness. I don't have to go along with whatever wicked desire happens to rise up inside of me. But not only that, I, I don't want it to do the damage that it could do to other people around me that I'm doing life with. So I retrain my desires. I want to just say my desires don't control me. The Holy Spirit does. Why don't you just say that? My desires don't control me. The Holy Spirit does. Yeah. This is a revelation in Romans 8, 6. It says, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Don't you want that? I do. And so I want to retrain my desires so that I'm following more and more the ones that are prompted by the Spirit of God and reflect the goodness of God. All right. The, the, next, uh, the next kind of reining it in that I, I want to engage in is I restrain what I say. I restrain what I say. Somebody has said, you know, letting the cat out of the bag is always a whole lot easier than trying to put it back in. And you know, the truth is, when it comes to what we say, it's easy to just let stuff fly. But words, once released, do have consequences. And if I'm going to actually live into what we're talking about today, this grand idea of self-control, I need, I need to actually restrain what I say. I think we've probably addressed this a few times throughout this series, but it's okay. It's important for us to recognize the necessity of learning to restrain 
what we say. Uh, Some of us have a biting tongue. And what we actually need is to learn to bite our tongue so that we don't end up doing so much damage to people who who remember those things that we said. I'm guessing that for some of us sitting at home right now, gathering here on this campus right now, we have phrases that rattle around inside of our mind even to this day that were spoken to us by a teacher, a coach, a dad, or a mom, a brother, a sister decades ago. But those words had such an impact on us, left a scar on us. They were biting words. And I'm saying, let's, let's follow God into, into self-control over even what we say. I want to restrain uh, what I say. James 1.26 says this. It says, if you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself. Your religion's worthless. That's pretty powerful. I think God's looking at me and you and saying, hey, we can do better. And, and some of the things that we've said, we, we, need to, we need to own and actually apologize for. But more importantly, moving forward, we need to restrain what we say. And it's good to do it. It's good to do it. And then number three, I want to... I want to rein in my reactions. I want to rein in my reactions. There are moments when uh, we can uh, feel the buttons being pressed and we can feel that temperature gauge rising. And if we could see the gauge, the needle's over in the red and we're about to turn into that 60s cartoon character with the face that turns red and the steam that blows out of our ears. We can feel that when it's happening. We, we all know about that when it's happening. But in the Holy Spirit, we have an opportunity to live differently. And we can, in fact, rein in our reactions. And I'm asking Holy Spirit to help me more and more to do that. And, and I find that uh, there are opportunities that sometimes break out for me to see whether it's happening or not. So uh, earlier this week, Anne uh, said to me, Hey, babe, the, uh, the light bulb's out in the, in the, in the bedroom closet. And... Uh, actually, the truth is, it wasn't that the light bulb is, it, it's true, the, the light bulb was out. The truth is, we have two light fixtures, each of them have two light bulbs, and three of them were already out, and now I was down to the last one going out. And so, I've learned over the years, when my wife says something to me like, hey, the light bulb's out, she's not just conveying this for informational purposes, do you know what I mean? Like, I've learned, finally, at long last, that what this really means is, hey, could you do something about that? So I, uh, I did. I got up on the stool and um, changed the lights. And look, like, they look great. Like the bright lights are on and I'm so happy to see it. But, uh, but anyway, I'm on the stool and I'm, I'm holding like light bulbs in one hand and another light bulb in a pocket and I'm fiddling with the screws up here and then I'm taking this down, the, the glass bulb thing and holding that over here and holding these bulbs and then I'm trying to do this and, and, I, and, I, and then that happened. Like just, I couldn't even help it. It just, it fell all over the place. Like the, and, and right when it happened, like it crashed on the ground and tiny shards of glass all over all of the clothes and all of the things and, and right at that moment, a whole series of words and phrases and feelings were queuing themselves up right here in this side of my brain. They were ready to get going if I would just set them loose, right? They were there. But you know what else was queuing up? It was Holy Spirit. And what I've learned, and I'm continuing to learn more and more, is that in any moment, it takes 
only but a, a leaning. A leaning, a simple leaning in this direction. And then all of these feelings and words and phrases that are inappropriate for church that were queued up and ready to fly just begin to dissipate as I lean in this direction of Holy Spirit who's bringing a sense of calm, Holy Spirit who's bringing a sense of, uh, of, of restraint. And as I think about it, I'm so grateful because in those moments, if I, if I think about moments maybe a, a, a few years ago, and I don't want to make it sound like I don't still have those moments, but when I think about moments when, when I don't follow the Holy Spirit into that kind of reining in of my reactions, what ends up happening is strife and chaos and anger and unhappiness, and then it has a domino effect, and my outburst leads to someone else's and someone else's, and before we know it, there's like this vibe of strife and negativity in the whole family and might last for hours or days, right? Some of you know what I mean. And, and so what I'm getting at is it becomes vital to follow this leading of the Holy Spirit into this wonderful gift of self-control in real-time moments, and the Holy Spirit is able to move as fast as the moments are unfolding. And you need it to, don't you? You need the Spirit of God to be able to move just that quickly, and He can. And what you and I need to grow in is cooperating with that leading of the Holy Spirit more and more in those moments, real-time Proverbs 25, 28 says, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Don't be like a city with broken down walls. That's what I'm getting at. That's what I believe the Word of God is getting at. It, it, if we are uh, attentive to this, uh, damage is prevented. I remember when I was, uh, when I was a kid, my, my dad worked at a place that had a horseback riding stables. And since he was the boss of this place, we got to, my sister and I got to go and ride the horses there uh, for free sometimes in the, in the summers. Like at the end of the day, after all the lessons were done or after the other people who were paying customers were done. And so we usually got the horses when they were really tired. And, um, and we didn't really know much about what we were doing, but we would go and, and ride the trail. You know, we'd leave the barn right out this way and then come around that way and go way out this way and then across this way and then this way. And then we'd come out of the, the, the forest into this open meadow where the, the horses could see from whatever, like a half a mile away, the big red barn in the distance. And as soon as they saw the barn, it was on. They would just start galloping like nobody's business. And like I said, we really didn't know what we were doing. We were not horse people. We just happened to show up and want a free ride. And, and, but we would come out of that, and they would go. And this one time, these horses took off, and my sister was riding this horse. And this horse just was galloping as fast as can be with no restraint whatsoever, smashed into a fence pole, and it threw her off. And she uh, it was really hurt, really damaged. Because there was a lot of strength, there was a lot of power, but it was not reined in, in an appropriate way. And it led to uh, someone getting hurt. And the point is this, for you and me, if we don't follow Holy Spirit into self-control in real-time moments, people around us can actually get hurt. Maybe sometimes just feelings, but sometimes more than just feelings. And so I'm praying that we would be people who would follow Holy Spirit more and more into this amazing fruit of self-control. And so I just want to share with you one more time 
Titus 2.11, it says, the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Let me say it one more time and let me ask you to say it with me. Titus 2.11, say it with me, go. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And I want to just say this to you today. If you are listening to me right now and all of this stuff about God's grace is new for you and, and you don't know where you stand with God and something inside of you is saying, I want to be right with God, you need to hear what I just said. The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. All people includes you. And what remains is for you to accept what's being offered What's being offered is eternal life. What's being offered is the forgiveness of sins. What's being offered is a way to live empowered by the Holy Spirit to to rise up more and more and more in this life and all the way through into the next. The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And it's offered to you. And for many of us who are living in God's mercy and grace today, there's nothing better than at any moment knowing I'm forgiven and I have a home in heaven. And so for somebody else, if you don't know that that's true about you, I'm praying that that would change today. Maybe you've been thinking, I want to be right with God, and so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try as hard as I can to just be a better person, and that's how I'm going to get God to uh, uh, see me as righteous. It doesn't work that way. You could try as long as you wanted to. You're never going to be able to be perfect it's, it's like trying to extend an extension ladder across the Grand Canyon, thinking that you, by trying to be better, are going to become good enough to earn anything from God. It just doesn't work that way. The grace has appeared, and it, and it offers salvation to all peoples. Salvation is a free gift, and the way you receive it is by once and for all saying yes to Jesus Christ. Yes to his his offer to forgive you and save you. And so I want to pray for somebody right now that you would wake up spiritually. And so everyone else, why don't you take a moment and let's pray together that God would move in this moment uh, for our good and for somebody's salvation. And so Lord, I pray right now for a spiritual awakening. And I pray in particular for somebody who is feeling that sense of shame, that sense of shadowy guilt hanging over their head. And that gnawing sense of emptiness that they're feeling inside. God, I pray for that particular person feeling those things to hear loud and clear. There's a way to be right with God. And it comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Salvation is offered to all people and that includes you. And what needs to happen here now is for you to accept what's been offered to you by God in his grace. Salvation through Christ. And so while we're praying, Lord, I pray that you would do the spiritual awakening that only you can do. That for somebody right now, it would be like alarm bells are going off. And, and, a, and a, a strong thought, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. And so with everybody praying together, if you are with me right now, you're listening to what I'm saying, and you're saying, I need this gift of salvation. I need Jesus. I want you to consider giving your life to Jesus right here and right now. I want you to consider once and for all saying, Jesus, I believe in you. I want you to consider once and for all admitting that you are a sinner and you can't fix yourself. You need his forgiveness. I want you to consider in this moment once and for all saying, God, 
Save me. I turn from my sin and I turn to you. In this moment, I'm praying that you would wake up spiritually. So, Father, would you do that right now? Allow somebody to wake up spiritually to say yes to Jesus once and for all. And so if you're here today and you would say, that's me. I need to say yes to Jesus. If you're online and you're, you're at home and you're saying, that's me, I need to say yes to Jesus. I want you right now to raise your hand if you're with me in person and you need to say yes to Jesus, raise it high. And if you're online, I want you to type into the comments, I need Jesus. Thank you right over here in the middle for raising your hand. I appreciate that. And online, you click on the button in one of the platforms to raise your hand, say yes to Jesus. In Facebook, you just type it into the comments. I'm saying yes to Jesus right now. And now pray with me. Those of you who had your hand raised, and would you just simply say with me, Jesus Christ, would you forgive my sins and save my life? Say that with me even. Jesus Christ, would you forgive my sins and save my life? Jesus, I'm yours, and I believe in you. (laughs) Just say it to him. Jesus, I'm yours, and I believe in you. I believe that you paid the price for my sin so I could be forgiven. And Jesus, I believe that you gave your life for me to rescue me. And Jesus, I believe you beat death and you're alive. So I'm asking you to come into my life and be my Savior and my Lord from this moment on. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. And everybody together we say amen. 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 Hey church, I want to ask you to do me a favor. And um, you may be already aware of this, but... um, I've got a pretty big deal surgery coming up on Monday, and um, I believe that God uh, heals supernaturally, and we've all experienced Him moving in that way, in our midst from time to time. I also fully believe that all healing comes from God, whether it comes by way of an instantaneous miracle when we're praying, or when it comes through a a process of of doing what we need to do in our body, or when it comes through a, a medical procedure, all healing ultimately comes from God. And in moments like this, you better believe it. I'm, I've prayed for years. God, I want your supernatural healing on this one. But I felt that God was saying in this case, I want you to yield to a, a process with a, a, a medical procedure and trust me with that. And so that's what I'm doing. It's a pretty big deal one, you know, uh, a tumor in my spinal cord. And so that's a big deal type of thing to get into. And that's happening for me on Monday uh, 7.30 in the morning. And what that means, practically speaking, is that I'm going to be out for a, a solid few weeks. Um, actually, a little bit more than a few. And we're in good hands. We've got a great team of leaders and pastors ready to minister mightily in the power and anointing of the Lord in our church. We, we don't lack for great, godly, confident leaders and pastors. Thanks be to God. I'm able to take a moment and do what I need to do and know that center point, we are fine. We've got great leaders in place. So uh, if you would uh, and you hear, oh, Donovan's preaching, James is preaching, Anne is preaching, whoever else it might be is preaching, don't ever say, oh, oh, well, I'll just wait till, you know, John's preaching again. Please don't ever do that because God's greatest goodness comes through all the multitude of God's great servants. So don't miss a minute of all of God's goodness over the next few weeks. But would you pray for me? 
And um, I would even ask you to just actually do that now. And, okay, this is going to sound weird. Normally I would, like, sit right here and ask everyone to lay hands on me. I have to be really careful. If I have any kind of sick at all, they won't take me in. So I want to <laughs> just safely, you know, from a distance, let you pray for me. And so would you just extend a hand my way and maybe somebody with a loud voice, uh, you could kind of lead the charge and, and pray for me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thanks, guys.